0: It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's
1: rock, here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody, Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. Thank you so much for joining. If you are a new listener, welcome, welcome. And if you're returning, thanks for coming back. We have an amazing show, but I want to just say we've got people from all over the world. We've added Argentina, Japan, Vietnam, Spain, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, New Zealand, Germany, Australia, and the UK. So thank you all for being here. I just think it's amazing that we can reach people all over the planet. And so I have a question for you. You know, that intro talks about when you have a challenge do you turn it into an opportunity do you rise up and just turn it into something amazing and wake up and make the most of your day or do you crumble Do you grab those Lay's potato chips and dive under the covers with Netflix? Well, you know, there's two ways to approach things. And I know that today's guests are really going to inspire you to rise up because like me, they have faced breast cancer. And this whole month, because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I have been talking about breast cancer and meeting amazing women who have really inspired me to make the most of every single day. And today they're going to inspire you. They're going to share their stories. I am talking with model and body positivity influencer Kelly Crump, who made history as the first woman with a visible mastectomy scar to pose for, get this, Sports Illustrated, right? We all know the swimsuit issue. I don't know if I would even get the guts up to like do that, but let alone do it and show your mastectomy scar. Amazing. And then we're going to be talking with multipreneur voice actor and singer songwriter. She's a rock star. Truly Jennifer Knight. Again, both women were diagnosed with breast cancer and they're rocking midlife. And so they're going to help you rock your midlife, too. And, you know, I just want to say something about um, Kelly. I've been following her on Instagram. Check out her feed. It's um, it's Kelly, right? Is that is Kelly Crumb? It's it's Kelly Crumb. Yeah. And the thing I love about her is, yes, she's all about positivity. But you know what? She's so real and it's not toxic positivity. Let me tell you what toxic positivity is when you're like rainbows and unicorns. Everything's always bright and beautiful. And let's face it, ladies, like, you know, breast cancer, aging parents, covid teenagers, job issues, hot flashes, all of it. You're not always rainbows and unicorns all the time. This toxic positivity is like, well, I'm supposed to be upbeat all the time. And that's not healthy and it's not normal. And something that I talk a lot about on the show and in my various feeds is, gosh, we've got to learn how to handle difficult emotions, got to learn how to grieve. I know when I was diagnosed, I was like, this was not on my vision board. And all of a sudden it was like this grief of like, am I going to make it to 100, which is one of my dreams in life? Am I going to have to worry about breast cancer because I've got a BRCA mutation my whole life. So there was all of a sudden this like, wow, grieving of this sort of innocence around my health. There was some some shame. I'm a board-certified health and wellness coach. I've been a dietitian for 30 years. I help people get healthy. And here I was like, what did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? There was, of course, fear. So what I love about what Kelly's doing and I encourage you to do is You've got to learn how to process those difficult emotions. And the tool that I share is really self-compassion, which is when they come up rather than, you know, pushing them away, which really leads to the big D depression, which you don't want to go there. You feel what you're feeling and you figure out what do I need right now? So maybe you need to like go play with your pet or take a long hot bath or have a good cry or journal. So encouraging you, whatever you are experiencing, the difficult emotions, it's okay and it's normal. But let's talk about feeling empowered, courageous and strong, going bold and feeling sexy again even after scars and reconstruction that's what we're going to be talking about today with kelly crump she is an inspirational model a body positivity influencer and cancer and health coach she strives to normalize cancer terminology spread awareness of the illness and counsel patients on how to get well and carry on with their lives Following diagnosis and treatment. And boy, does she walk the walk and live what she is teaching. She also teaches loved ones how to support a cancer patient's friends and family. I'm here to say, I just don't go to the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry go to the, how can I help you? And we'll talk more about what you can do if you have a loved one who's been diagnosed. And her work has a wide range of positive effects on people from inspiring them to get up and exercise to boosting their self-esteem after surgery. And she is going to inspire you. you might want to grab a Kleenex, maybe grab a piece of paper for some tips. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Kelly. So
2: good to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is This is amazing. I can't even believe I'm here. So thank you so much. Well, gosh, I feel that way. You're like you're you're truly
1: a rock star, and you're you are in London, so you are yes. five or six hours ahead of us here on the East Coast. So we've got yes. we've got the East Coast, we've got the West Coast, and we've got uh, Europe represented here. So let's just start off with talking about your story. How were you diagnosed?
2: What what happened to you? So, so basically, I never checked my breasts, even during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So it was actually five years almost to today, um, in which I was diagnosed with stage three, HER2 positive, which is hurt. a lot of times they call it HER2 positive, um, hormone positive breast cancer. I have no history of familiar cancer familial cancer um i don't have any mutations um i've always been healthy i was a yoga instructor worked you know normal weight you know didn't smoke all of the things that kind of you think of with cancer i didn't have any of that and i was 38 years old um i found a lump in my breast when i was scratching an itch and that's how it then started me on the path to where i am um today so it was it was shocking um but I, I tried to you know, approach it very pragmatically. And then after having IVF and, and chemotherapy and losing my hair and this, that, and whatever, I actually grew a new tumor in the same breast after the first one had been removed whilst I was on chemotherapy. So I then had basically an emergency bilateral um, mastectomy with delayed implant reconstruction. Um, Some people always ask, why did I get implants if I had cancer? The other options available to me weren't actually options. Um, Anytime you get maybe reconstruction done with other parts of your body, other tissue, I didn't have enough. So it was either flat or implant for me. And I wasn't mentally ready at the time to make that decision. If that makes sense. So um, that's a hard one. I know for me, I, I my initial response was go
1: fearlessly flat, but my my surgeon was like, don't do anything rash. So yeah. I kept my breasts and I'm going to like keep a real good eye on it. But yeah, that's a totally yeah. normal you know, decision. I've heard that reconstruction is hard though. So you had reconstruction.
2: Yeah. So I had a delayed implant reconstruction. So I had tissue expanders put in and my left breast was already from a tissue standpoint, much smaller. Cause I had had a lumpectomy with clear margins. My sentinel node was clear. My nodes were clear, but somehow, you know, it's kept going. So basically did another seven rounds of chemotherapy. And then in November of 2019, we did a routine PET scan and found that it had spread into my neck. So at that point I was considered um, stage four metastatic or secondary, AKA incurable breast cancer, because it had spread to distant parts of my body. Currently, it's in my lymph nodes in my neck through my clavicle area, my armpits on three of my, um, the back of my spine and my 12th rib. So um, I now basically have been living with stage four cancer for three years. So Um, how are you living with it? (laughs) I
1: mean, uh, that's, first of all, that's... You are such an inspiration to be living with dealing with it. Are you, you know, I guess mentally and also physiologically, what are you doing to sort of keep it at bay and, and, you know, to stay really positive because if you you read your feed, it's like, it does both. It's like some days I'm having a really crappy day. Like all of us.
3: Yeah. So you're like,
1: it's yeah. And then there's a lot of days where you are, you know, you, you, digest your difficult emotions and then you're positive. So I guess, how are you dealing with it mentally? And are you doing anything also physiologically to um, support yourself?
2: Yeah. So mentally, I think the biggest thing is you have to give yourself space and you have to understand and and be kind to yourself. Like you said, that self-compassion, because people have gone through this or many other things in life. It's a trauma and trauma you know, processing that even after maybe you've accepted it and moved on is still trauma. So, it, it is hard. I mean, it's not it's not an easy thing um, to, to deal with this and to think about, you know, like you said, the big D word kind of, I think about it on a daily basis, but not in a negative space. I'm not going, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. It's, I get reminded of, is this maybe my last time that I get to see the sunset or things of that nature. Um, So the main thing I would say is you have to give yourself compassion, let yourself have the emotions, which I do. I mean, I've already cried today. So, you know, tick. Um, I cried yesterday tick. Um, Cause it is sad. It's sad. You know, it it sucks. Um, But I choose to try to find the joy in what I do have so, instead of looking at the lack, which I could look at, I'm missing this, I can't have children, I can't do this, I can't do that. Um, now I look at the abundance, okay, if the sun shining. Did I have that moment with my dog? Ooh, this cup of coffee is giving me the energy that I need because I'm so tired. Or, so, I've trained my mind to not go down that, that rabbit hole, Of negativity. Or if it does go down, I allow it a little bit, but then I bring it back. And I think that's kind of the key for me is I take it day by day. And I also recognize when I'm kind of going down that negative path.
1: Yeah. Powerful practices. So, I mean, being grateful for all of the abundance and everything that you have, looking at the glass as, you know, it's actually awful, but, but really, Mm -hmm. um, and also experiencing the feeling of being with your dog, of enjoying that cup of coffee, of just experiencing how powerful now is. So it sounds like you're doing kind of encouraging mindfulness, the yep, self compassion, yeah. gratitude, which is so powerful. And I, you know, I think you are just inspiring so many people because if like you can do it, given where you're at it really inspires. I know since it has inspired me to mm-hmm. not go down the negative path, which is so easy to do. But also I love that you also, you know, give yourself, if you're listening, give yourself 10 minutes to go there, just like set a timer and go, you know yeah. what, I'm going to have a little pity party right now. Yeah. I'm going to like break out the Ben and Jerry's or I'm going to do whatever I need to do and have that cry tick. And then I'm going to like pick myself up and say, you know what, i've got today and i'm Mm going to make the most of that so speaking of making the most of dreams like let's talk about the sports (laughs) which is groundbreaking and i have to say just to, to have the guts and the body confidence to be a swimsuit model in sports illustrated is really hard and powerful. And then on top of that, to bear your mastectomy scar. So you're the first woman to show your scar, which was groundbreaking. And I bravo to sports illustrated too, for that diversity and doing that. That's like, wow, bring awareness
2: to it and showing that you can be beautiful. That is brave. I actually said that in another, I was recording another podcast today. And I said, actually, MJ, who's the editor is actually the one who was super brave. Cause this is what I just live with every day. Like I'm used to my you know scars. But like for her to put that out there and to put it on a full page and to really back it and be behind it, I think was was a really brave thing to do. But yes, it it was my dream since I was a a child um i had always kind of grown up and seen the magazines you know we had the subscription so you would get this issue and it was i would used to watch the behind the scenes you know back before the internet really existed and um so i applied for the swim search and applied in 2021 and then in 2022 and in 2022 i ended up being chosen so um we didn't plan a lot of people always ask like did they did they make you do that or did they, they make you, you know, did they talk to you about it? They did nothing actually of the sort. It was kind of this organic moment that came about because I asked about this one swimsuit that was balled up on a table. Cause it was the colors, of the Ukraine and the war, the Ukrainian war and Russian war had started about two weeks prior. And I said, oh, well, you know, I would love to buy I have friends that are Ukrainian that live here in London. And I said, oh, you know, how cool would that be to show the colors? Like, you know, we, we stand by you and kind of support. They said, oh, yeah, that suit's really cute, but it's a one boob suit. And I said, oh, that's awesome. And they just looked at me like, did she just say that was awesome? And I was like, oh yeah, Elle McPherson actually did uh, a photo with a, a, a one um, boob suit back in, I think it was the 90, like early 90s, and she was covered. And I still remember that photo because it was super powerful and it was like sexy without being you know too overt. And I, and I said, oh, Elle McPherson had this photo. And so I tried the suit on and they were like, oh wow, it looks like, really good. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's surprising. And we took photos of it and, you know, I kind of was, was covered at the time and we got done with the fitting and MJ said, you know, I do ask all the girls, is there anything that you are concerned about that you don't want to show? What do you feel comfortable with? Are you okay with your port scar? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? She goes, oh, well, sometimes, you know, if somebody has like specific things, I was like, no, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm so used to you know, having 10 doctors around me with my shirt off standing there, like, you know, and they're talking about you and checking everything, you know, standing in front of 30 people, you know, halfway topless, like, isn't kind of a problem anymore. (laughs) And, um, no, I said, I I don't mind. And I said, you know, it'd be really amazing is if I actually showed my scar and she just looked at me like, really? I said, Yeah. She goes, oh, we get so much flack for like areolas or nipples, or even if it's, you know, semi-sheer, you know, they can get banned and fined. And I was like, really? So, anyway, we went back and, you know, I went back to the room, didn't say anything. The next day, the stylist said, MJ's thinking about that suit, doing it. And I was like, Okay. Like, are you okay with that? I said, yeah. They kept checking because I think they were going, okay, she's going to change her mind. <laughs> she's she's going to realize like what she's doing. Um, but anyway, so shoot day, you know, it's the first time I've ever done a photo shoot like that. And third suit we shot and it was like, people were crying on the beach. Um, <laughs> like, it was just this moment. And I, I'll i tell you what, I felt more confident in that suit in that moment than I did in a lot of the other suits, Um, because I realized that so many people had talked about how they didn't feel whole after having a mastectomy or reconstruction, how they hid their scars, how they felt like it made them less of a woman. And all I could think about was showing, like, you can be sexy. Like, it's still okay to be sexy. Like, cancer's not sexy, but you can be sexy, Cause I feel like anything I've seen or witnessed a lot of times it's like, you can be cute, but you can't be like sexy if you've got cancer. And I just think, well, life's too short. Be what you want to be. If you want to be sexy, great. If you don't, fine. But I wanted to kind of show that in a beautiful way. And they gave me that platform and I'm forever grateful. And I think, you know, all I wanted was it to change one person. You know, view on themselves. And it, it seems to, I get messages all the time where people said, now I'm rethinking how I view myself. Wow. Super, super powerful
1: that that ha- is true, because I think uh, you feel like the, you know, the scarlet woman or something like you should have this big, you know, C on you or the ribbon or whatever. And I yeah. was gonna talk about the, the pink ribbon thing and all of that, but it's such... <laughs> Such a powerful, ballsy thing to do. Amazing. So somebody's listening and I talk a lot about uh, body image and my research is on Mm -hmm. self-compassion and body image, which really shows when you love yourself, when you show yourself compassion, which means when you're suffering, you stop and you give yourself what you need. It reduces body shame, body dissatisfaction, Mm self-worth based on appearance and improves body appreciation. So self-compassion is one of my superpowers for women struggling with negative body image. There's other people who Mm -hmm. are listening and going, I haven't felt sexy in years. You know, even they—they yeah. they don't have breast cancer. Midlife, obviously, you know, people are—you know—gaining weight. There's gravity. The boobs might be sinking. Maybe you're happy to have them, but they're—you know—everything is kind yeah. of sinking. How? What's a sort of a mind trick, or and how, you know, how did you? You said you felt so confident, and I'm wondering, like, how would you just being confident even to pose, let alone pose with the scar? How did you? <laughs> how, where did that come from? Or do you have suggestions for someone who's listening, going, God, I haven't worn a bathing suit in years. I can't even put on shorts. I don't even feel good about, you know, wearing a, a, wearing a sleeveless shirt, which is an issue. Women are missing out on a lot of fun. And that, that, that sense that there's something wrong with our bodies. We don't like how we look flows Mm -hmm. into your self-esteem, eating disorders, um, all kinds of
2: issues arise from that negative body image. So some advice. I mean, I think it and some people might go, Oh, she's probably been confident her whole life. That is like the antithesis of how I felt. I mean, it was i I said this in another thing. It was thirty eight years of hating my body up until I started having it removed. Um no, I, I'm being completely honest, you know, until I basically I was one of those people, unfortunately, that had to lose it all to gain it all back if that makes sense. I had to lose my hair. I had to lose essentially who I was. I had to lose a very visible sexual organ to then be confident in who I was, if that makes sense. And cancer actually did give me that. And I think a stage four incurable diagnosis made me realize that like a life is too short, but I needed to start living like nothing mattered anymore. And that's when I started to feel free because I think as women, we're worried about how are we viewed by others? We have judgments about what is beautiful, what is right, what is the right shape, so on and so forth. And it can really spiral. And I think we have to remember that everybody is different. You know, everybody, there are many different types of beauty, but at the same time, like take do what you can to make yourself feel good too though. So I feel like sometimes we think that people are vain if they take care of themselves, right? You know, I hear these women all the time they go, "Oh, I would never look like you." Well, no, but if they oh, I can't be bothered with makeup. Okay, well that that's your choice. So if you it's it's up to you. If you want to be a certain way, there's there's certain things that you can do. We're not all going to be, you know, 5'10" f- and, you know, a certain way, but There's things that you can do that will make you feel better. So I think it's a mix of understanding that everybody's different. Don't try to become someone that you're not use what you have, but do what you can with it. If that makes sense. Don't just give up. I hear this from a lot of, Oh, I just can't be bothered. Okay. Well don't complain, you know, like do some extra. do. You don't have to be do crazy exercise walk, you know, meditate, you know, give yourself some compassion, you know, start, stop judging other people because when you're judging other people, you're actually projecting your own thoughts usually, you know, about how you feel about yourself. So it's about kind of the inner work that will then show on, on the outside. I know that's kind of a lot (laughs) I just said, Um, but, uh, but I really do. I think basically losing, losing a, a body, body part and having to reconstruct it and then realizing that the rest of my body is working and it's amazing. It might have stretch marks. It's got cellulite. It's got you know large pores. Like my eyebrows really don't grow. I mean, I could sit here and, and say all these things, but at the end of the day, it's working and it's doing something amazing every single day. And why am I continuing to take that for granted on something that doesn't actually matter? Powerful.
1: And I think for me, the the most powerful thing is this idea that like you lost everything to find yourself where everything got so much got stripped away. And I think, you know, as women, we are told the most important thing about us is our looks. And if we can lose that, but then find out like what makes me feel beauty, beautiful, like sexy is an inside out job. Like I feel mm. sexy just being me, just dancing with nobody watching yeah. or just, you know, feeling sensuous, taking a bath, just exploring. And I think it's giving yourself permission. And then also, as you said, not judging other people, but also not comparing yourself to other people. I think it's so hard with social media because so many people are fake. that's what I love about your feed. It's like you it's, come up
2: some days. I got no makeup. My hair's a mess. This is usually just my, my hair is like this. <laughs> I'm actually, this is like me kind of put together and I could probably even brush unfollow them. Stop putting those things. Like you don't have to look at it. Like it's selling and I get it. I, there's no hate against anyone that has that type of account. Cause it's, it's um it's, Sometimes it's like dreamy and it's reality, but if you're consuming so much of that, then you need to stop. And I think it's about finding what resonates with you and what makes you feel good. And there's 4.5 like billion people on Instagram. You can unfollow, you can mute those people that don't make you feel good. Like And this is a a self-control thing. And I know we get sucked into the algorithm, but also the more you watch and look at those things, the more it's going to send to you. So stop following or mute the accounts, the people that don't make you feel good, because there's tons of other people out there who might actually make you feel better about yourself. You yeah, know? It's true. And it's that's the what I love about,
1: you know, social
2: media is that <laughs> mm-hmm. so many
1: women are showing who they really are. I mean, I'm part of sort of Silver Sisters where women are yeah. like, yep, I'm going silver. This makes me feel good. I, I love when I hear from women, I love my hair. Like I never thought, yeah. and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not judging if it's good or bad to let your hair go natural, but they're surprised at how much they've loved it. But society has told them that it's unacceptable to go gray or that you'll feel old. I find that, you know, to sort of you know, piggyback on what you said about losing everything and feeling good, I think aging can do some of that too, mm-hmm. where you're aging and you just get like, I don't give a flying whatever about what you think about me. And I'm going to wear what I want to wear. And I you know, I was working with my stylist and she's like, go bold, wear big prints yeah. and big things and be who you want to be. So I think you're such a shining example. So I'm curious, what's next? What kind of doors have opened up for you because of the, the Sports Illustrated shoot and other things it- that you're doing?
2: Yeah. So, um, I have a podcast that I'm currently working on that I will launch, um, in the next couple of weeks. So I finally got a name for it. I'm not going to disclose it right now. Um, but I want to talk to kind of do the same thing, like empower other people, not talk just about cancer, but let's talk about the lows. Like let's get real. But how did you learn from those, and how can other people learn from it? So maybe it's talking about trauma, maybe it's t- talking about like starting your own business. I'm just, I just want to be real. Let's talk about the things that everybody wants to know, but nobody wants to talk about, or they feel like they're too vulnerable. So, podcasting um, and public speaking, getting up and you know going to universities, um, we are starting to work on. So I think. For me, it's just about spreading the message and getting people more comfortable with talking about cancer, seeing cancer, um, and how to support, you know, friends, family, loved ones who might have it. Because the more we talk about it, the easier it's going to be for everyone. And I want to make it as easy as it possibly can be because it's a horrible thing and it's hard. And, um, it, it changes your life. So I think we need to educate ourselves on what that means and how we can support others because one in two of us in our lifetime are going to have cancer. So what's your best advice for someone who has a loved one who has been diagnosed? I think the first thing is make sure you accept and be okay with however that person is handling that diagnosis. They might not handle it the way that you think you would, you would handle it in their situation. They're not going to handle it the way that I've handled it, that you've handled it. I think I I hear a lot that, Hey, how do I get, you know, my friend or girlfriend or or what have you um, to, to think like you. And I said, well, don't, you got to let that person process it, go through it because everyone's going to handle it different and there's no right way. Yeah, that's so, great
1: advice. So just take your cues from the other person. Maybe even ask Not that. They, I know I got so many. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I was like, don't be sorry. My I was really fortunate. My cancer was the size of a dime. It was one a um, like you he was her too positive, F- and um, I'm going to be fine. I was you know, through it. I guess that was another thing for me, the fear of the cancer was so much worse than the actual treatment and what I was going through. Like fear, yeah. whatever we're scared of and whatever we imagine in our worst nightmares is way worse than actually, like yeah. you are strong enough to get through whatever it is that you need to get through. But I love that to ask the person what it is they need. So. Last question. So how do you stay so gorgeous and like with exercise and eating and, you know, having a body that, you know, can rock a swimsuit for Sports Illustrated? What
2: are your sort of top health and wellness tips? Walk a lot. And I'm not kidding. You know, people always go, what is your workout routine? I walk at least five miles a day, every day, minimum. Some days I do Way more than that. Some days I do less, but I can't do heavy duty exercise because I'm on chemo every 21 days. And I don't, my body doesn't handle really intense exercise very well anymore. I It, it flattens me. I cycled last week, bicycled, and this is why I've got the size infection. So I've like learned I, I can't do anything super heavy. So walk, people underestimate it's so strengthening and toning for your body. You're not walking enough. And if you are walking a lot and not see anything, you probably need to up the pace. Um, I, I, I eat pizza and burgers and things like that. But sugar, sugar is the main thing. It, it ages you. Especially menopause, it puts weight in the middle when you don't have estrogen. I've been in menopause for five years. Um, I've definitely seen my body change a bit, but reducing and pretty much eliminating sugar is a big, big thing. Um, So I see a lot of people don't realize how much sugar is in everything. Yeah. Plus cancer loves stuff like that. Cancer loves sugar.
1: Yeah. Cancer cells have 10 times the insulin receptors as normal cells. So excellent advice. Walk. Anybody can do it. It's free. All you need is, is shoes and keep
2: away from the sugar. I'm always out and meditate, meditate and cry, cry, let it out. You'll feel much better. Your face will be better. It'll relax you. Let the emotions out, cry, and then just move on. Yeah. That's
1: totally all about (laughs) healing. It is, it is that water and that is is so healing. All right. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Jennifer Knight. She is a multipreneur. She's also a breast cancer thriver. She's literally a rock star. So I can't wait to get into her story. We're going to take a little break and I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to rock your midlife.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period. Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues, from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon.
0: You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back. I hope you are enjoying today's show as much as I am. And I'm feeling really inspired to make the most of your life. If you whether you are 30, 40, 60, 90, whatever it is you've got today and to wake up every day and be like, you know what? just going to go for it. And I know that um, our guests are helping us to feel inspired. Hey, if you are enjoying the show, please leave me a review. Just go to your favorite podcast platform. Let me know what you think about the show. And you can always reach out to me at themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. And so we've been talking with Kelly Crump, and we are now going to talk with Jennifer Knight. She is a multipreneur living in the Napa Valley. She has a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in occupational therapy. She worked in healthcare for 15 years, but Then when she became pregnant with her first child in 2008, her creative side was Colin. So she left therapy to become a voice actor. And a few years later, she started her passion project, which is Ohm Coffee Roasters. I tried their um, Black Magic Blend, which is so delicious, fabulous coffee. But then she had a health health crisis, which we'll get into in 2019. And she found life coaching. She experienced so much healing and transformation that she became a certified Coach herself, and earned an advanced degree in trauma-informed coaching. On top of that, she is a professional singer-songwriter and recording artist. And her band is called Mama Sad. And she's played at venues and festivals with the likes of Pink, Metallica, and the Black Rose. And they are releasing an album produced in LA by Jim McGorman of the Goo Goo Dolls. So she's literally rocking your (laughs) rocking her midlife. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Jennifer. So great to have you here.
3: Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I'm in great company. Who knew that breast cancer would be such a cool club, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think all of us that are there are like, well, it's the club. Nobody wants to join, but we have some very cool members. So I know you've got a question for Kelly. So why don't you go ahead and share?
3: Yeah, well, so where. From where I sit, after I've had a lumpectomy and radiation, and you know the the thing that comes up most for me is worrying about recurrence. And and when I coach people, it's it's kind of the same thing. There's a lot of worry, and so I just wonder, would you would you think it's worthwhile to worry? Would your outcome be different? Would your outlook be different? Would your mindset be different if you had worried? Would is there any productive, you know, is worry productive in any way?
2: I think it, it's all something where I understand the worry. And, and I think what I tell people, because they say sometimes it just can take over your life. The worry is constantly there. I mean, I worry about, you know, how much longer am I, am I going to, is this drug going to work, basically? So, I have that worry. Um, so, what I would tell people is know your numbers is first and foremost there are so many different types of sub can of cancer subtypes, stage. Like know the numbers, but it doesn't mean that the numbers are what's going to happen to you. So keep it in the back of your mind. Yes, watch out. You know, keep checking yourself. But it once you get past certain, you know, marks, five years, ten years, all of this like things reduce a lot. So I think it's all about being educated and understanding. Yes, there's a risk. I don't want to sit here and say, no, it's all going to be amazing. There's a risk. Understand what that risk so far means. And then just kind of put it away because things do change treatments. You know, 20 years ago, if I was diagnosed the way I'm diagnosed, I wouldn't be here the drug Herceptin has changed the game. And now there's so many other drugs and treatments coming out. So it doesn't mean that just because maybe, for example, HER2 positive has a 30% chance of recurrence, but that gets lower and lower as the years go on. And it all depends on your stage and right So be educated about what the risks are, but don't let it ruin your life because you're here right now. Yeah. So you don't want to let that take away from what you have right now
3: yeah and I yes. think that's the risks because sometimes we're we're we think our brain thinks if we're hyper vigilant that mm-hmm. it's productive in some way but a lot of times it's just taking us out of life and uh, mm. it's easier said than done but thank you I, I appreciate that
1: yeah just to piggyback on that first of all yes be an n of one I mean, that's was, you know, my story of, you know, thinking about like, what am I going to, what's right for me? So really listen to intuition, be an end of one. And in terms of the neuroscience of worrying or the spirituality of worrying, it's like praying for what you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, as as uh, Jennifer was saying, uh, what happens is when we ruminate, when we worry, we think we're going to figure it out. But what it really does is it keeps us stuck in reverse. It keeps us in that worry mode totally lowers your vibe. Um, you know, Worry can make you sick, creates stress. You generate cortisol. I mean, visualization mm-hmm. is such a powerful tool. So are you going to visualize yourself getting worse or are you going to visualize like, yeah, I'm going to be in the swimsuit edition of, like you said, you've been dreaming about this since you were a little girl. Yeah. So visualization yeah, yeah. is really powerful. But again, as Kelly was saying, you know, you give yourself, if you're focused on worrying, maybe get some therapy, get some coaching. Do some journaling around it, but but to answer your question, worry does not have, um, it is not productive. And I'm, I'm a Reiki master. I've been doing Reiki for like 30 years, and so there's these precepts, which is like just for today, I mm. will not worry. So, mm. uh, great question, though. Thank you for asking yeah, that. So, question. yeah, let's talk about your situation, Jennifer. So, tell us a little bit about how you were diagnosed, what happened when you found out. Tell us a little bit about your breast cancer story.
3: Yeah, it's super boring. I just, it was Breast Cancer Awareness Month and I was, you know, I was hearing all the messages and I thought, yeah, I should probably, I'll go get a mammogram. I, it had been like a year and a half since my my last one. And this was during COVID, uh, but I just had the intuition to do it at that time. And um, it just, I had no symptoms, no lumps, nothing, but I got that call back that nobody wants and got an ultrasound and a biopsy and then joined the club and that was that was it. What stage were you? So I was stage one, and um, I had uh, a lumpectomy and radiation treatments, and I'm on tamoxifen. This was a hormone. My my the cancer was hormone uh, hormone receptor positive, mm-hmm. so um, on tamoxifen and it reduces suppresses hormones, and so I'm on that for five years, and that was so my cancerversary is coming up in january so it'll be two years i've never heard uh, that before cancer really it's huge
1: here in the uk
3: yeah i've never
1: heard that mine's not till i'm I'm about to reach six months of, of remission so but that's yeah i'm glad that you're doing well so what surprised you most about breast cancer
3: well, I think what surprised me most is you know, I've heard you say, Dr. Allen, that this is not your mom's breast cancer. And I think and and just like we've been talking about, there's so much technology, new drugs, you know, there's there's such a range of experiences. But when I heard the word cancer, like most people, you know, it sparks terror. It was it was absolutely terrifying. And so letting that, you know, understanding getting more information, talking to more people and processing the fact that it doesn't have to be a death sentence. There are people living active lives in stage four. There are people who, like me, I was diagnosed and declared cancer free inside of 90 days, which is amazing. Um, So, yeah, it's just that that was surprising to me, because if you hear the word cancer and you you, I mean, at least I did. I thought I think death. So it's we we all do. You go into the whole story. (laughs)
1: You go into this dark tunnel and it's like, it's like the voices are like, you know, and it was like, they put you on this conveyor belt of surgery, radiation, chemo. And if anyone's listening, first of all, get your mammogram, get your, if you've been told you have dense breasts, get the ultrasound. That's how mine was found. Because when you Mm -hmm. have dense breasts, it puts you at a greater risk of breast cancer. And it also makes it much harder to read a mammogram. Mm -hmm. So early detection is super important and also use your five fingers. But um, you're right. It's like we're so scared of it. But my experience was it really wasn't that horrible at all. I mean, I was like you once my tumor was removed, which was three weeks after my diagnosis, I was cancer free. Um, and that I have, have been doing Herceptin, even though I don't have any, you know, active tumor or any any detection, just as sort of a precaution, as well as lots mm-hmm. of wellness things. So let's talk about the healing piece because I know I'd love to know a little bit more about the the trauma informed coaching and what you've done to heal. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that.
3: Yeah. Well, I you know, conventional medicine cured the disease, and um, but I felt like that's where my healing j- just started. So I I went to set I set out to heal my life. Um, you know, I wanted to know why, why, you know, why do three healthy women get cancer? And that that's, you know, the doctors, a lot of times you ask the doctors, like, well, we don't entirely know, you know, maybe it was birth control pills that you took. Maybe it was so, so I'm sort of an A student. And I want to, I'm a hard worker. I want to understand things. And I went, really went to work trying to understand, you know, what's up, why? Um, So I just, looked at everything that came into my awareness um my only criteria was to just be curious about everything I, nothing was too alt too woo you know too out there too mm-hmm. anything um so i just wanted to be open and curious and figure out just search inside myself like what's going on why did i get cancer uh, i looked at toxins was it my deodorant was it glyphosate because I live in wine country, which you know there's a lot of farming here. I looked at nutrition. Was I eating too much sugar? I was the alcohol again. I live in wine country. We drink wine all the time. <laughs> you know, was it? Was it? I looked at religion. Was it? Was I being punished by God? Was it? You know, genetics. I don't have the genetics. Uh, you know, any genetic markers for it. Um, I looked at German new medicine, which is fascinating. It was this. This is a paradigm of health that um, considers cancer. A a special biological process that actually it's there to protect us from a conflict shock or an emotional trauma. Um, So breast cancer is considered a nest worry conflict, um, which is your nest being like your household. So your, uh, Mother-child relationship or a partner relationship—that was fascinating. Um, I looked at the law of attraction. I looked at energy healers. Like, was this—is this my timeline, or is this just generational? You know, historical trauma passed down for their. Energy? So for me, it was it was. Just you got a, a PhD in cancer. A process, yeah, it was quite a process, and and it really was a process of exploration and discovery. And and I, for me, it was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of all a yes. All of it sort of made sense, except for the punishing God part, I didn't really resonate with that. But um, what I came to know for sure was that there's a mind body connection and that my emotions affect my body and that um, I just believe unequivocally that that played a role. And I had had a trauma about six months prior to my diagnosis. It was a different health crisis and um, just careening toward burnout. um, And in a, in a, just in a place that I've never felt so emotionally drained and, and fearful. Mm-hmm. And so I just started to think, you know, does this, is this it related, you know, did this trauma create something in my body? Um, so that was sort of a path of exploration that I went on. So how did you heal? So, It was the the health crisis that I experienced. It was um, my husband had lost his job, and he, instead of going back into the industry where he was working, he decided we we decided that he would fulfill this dream of starting this coffee company that he'd always wanted to do. So we did that together, and that I would be the breadwinner. I would I would support us. I was a voice actor. I still am a voice actor, and and so I was just. In this place of you know, at first the first year I was like, yeah, of course I'll I'll bootstrap it. We'll we'll make the money. We'll make it all work. And how many kids and do you
1: have? Two at the same time.
3: I have two kids. I'm in band. You know, oh, yeah. it's pretty overscheduled already. Um, but but the first year was good. The second year I was kind of keeping the fort down. I doubled my income out of just sort of determination and grit and hustle. Right. The third year I was starting to get a little wor- weary. The fourth year. I started to really shut down. And and I was I was just taking care of anyone, everyone. No was no one was taking I felt like no one was taking care of me. I heard myself saying things like, you know, mommy's always last and um you know I have to get this work done before I can relax. I can't, um, I can't do anything. You know, I was just sort of had this perfectionistic overdrive driven. And we think
1: that's okay too. That's what I've discovered. I mean, I absolutely yeah. clobbered my workaholic. I like fired my workaholic. I had yes, been like a massive too. workaholic entrepreneur since I've been 12, always yeah. another launch, always getting more clients, always making more money. And like it it felt sure. kind of good, but it was
3: not healthy. Well, it, and you know, through that process my body was talking to me. I was starting to get little symptoms like a ra- you know, rash, acne, um indigestion, um just dizzy spells. I started, I was very fatigued. And then ultimately I started getting heart palpitations. And that's when everything just kind of that's when I sort of spiraled into a panic and and realized what is happening. I need to pay attention. I need to slow way down and listen. You know, Gabor Mate is a, a researcher and a physician who who talks a lot about trauma and illness. And mm-hmm. and he's he wrote a book called When the Body Says No. And the bot my body was just saying no. And so through that process of just looking at what is happening i realized how unintentional i was being with my thoughts and how i was creating feelings and, and and results that were just i just it was very an such an extrinsic locus of control i just thought that the circumstances were that and i was being dragged you know you know sort of dragged around instead of me being proactive and driving things with my with my thoughts so So I found this podcast called the Life Coach School Podcast with Brooke Castillo, and and I just soaked it up. And I learned a model that she uses to teach thought work and mindset. Um, And it really helped me flip the script to understand that actually the circumstances in your life are neutral, which is kind of a hard thing to digest if you think, because we think, well, I have breast cancer and that's why I'm scared. It's actually not the breast cancer that's making you scared. The diagnosis, it's your thoughts around the breast cancer that's making you scared. So you can at first, I felt a little prickly about this, like I was being blamed for all of my feelings. But at the same time, it's kind of the best news news ever, because if your circumstances are neutral and you have the power to create story around it, then you can feel the way you want to feel and you can be very intentional Um, and our feel so. The circumstances are neutral our thoughts create our feelings our actions are just uh, uh, our feelings drive our actions any action we take is basically to feel a certain way or not feel a certain way and those actions that we take kind of uh they drive our results or our experience. So, so learning this model was how I started to heal. It was just about finding awareness and and being intentional. And like Kelly says, it's not about denying grief or fear. It's not about that at all. It's about processing the emotion that comes up. But once you, once you look at it like this, like why am I scared or why am I grieving? And and you you it's it's not when you stop blaming other people, you start taking responsibility for your thoughts. Then you can start feeling it, because yeah, we, we, we tend to want to push it away. We want to buffer it with alcohol or f- sugar or food or, or shopping or some other thing. Or we just resist it entirely. It's like pushing a beach ball underneath the water, right? You know, it's just it's, uh, it's gonna pop up and it just creates more intensity. So so through this process of learning this model, gaining the awareness, processing the emotion, not allowing the emotion, not reacting to it or resisting it sort of changed everything for me.
1: Yeah. Powerful stuff. What I tell people is name it, you tame it. So developing that awareness. Hello, fear. Hello, anxiety. Hello, stress. Like, Welcome to the table. I love um what Elizabeth yeah. Gilbert says. You know, fear sit you can be here, but sit in the back seat. So once yeah. an end of Pema Chodron talks about it's it's Shempa, you get and get triggered and just go into your default mode when you have a difficult emotion. But if you take a moment and like, oh, what am I feeling? And then, so it's name it, you tame it, and which brings it from the primitive part of your brain to your executive control center, like the big mammalian, you know, frontal cortex, then the other piece is feel it, you heal it. And you mentioned that book about, you know, like about your body. I know the, you know, the body keeps scored. There's a lot of books out there that we know Trauma emotions or felt experiences in the body. And trauma doesn't mean that you know you had to have a sexual issue, you know, when you were in college or like you've been, you know, a person who's gone to war anything. It's just going to be something that happened to you when you were six years old. Your mom yelled at you and you made this decision to be a certain way and protect yourself. And I love what you said, too, about the cancer could be a piece of that trauma. I know for me, I was in a difficult marriage and there were times I just didn't want to be here. The depression was so bad to have someone that I love so much yelling it and criticizing me and making me feel bad. I just was like, Oh, I don't want to be here anymore. And I think that that was a piece of, of what happened. It was right over my heart, you know, right over mm-hmm. my left breast. And Louise Hay talks a lot about that. Also, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying, um, giving, giving, giving mommy comes last all, all yeah. the time. So, um, all right, we only have a couple minutes left. So I want to make sure Kelly has a chance to ask you a question, Jennifer Kelly, sure. do you have
2: a question for Jennifer? So what would you say to people when, when everybody uh, you know, says, Oh yeah, I do that. But what do you do on your bad days? How do you shift out of that? I mean, yeah. just, you know, when it does kind of go down that rabbit hole, what things do you use to kind of get back to yeah. the equation?
3: I get out of my head and into my body. 100% your nervous system regulation. We get into these, we have these thoughts, we create these, this fight or flight, you know, sympathetic dominant state in our nervous system. And that creates tunnel vision, black and white thinking, you know, agitation, grouchiness, whatever. So if you can get back into your body and regulate your nervous system, get back into that parasympathetic rest, digest, heal, repair state, and then look at it again, look at your situation, circumstance again it's going to look completely different you're going to be creative you're going to be easeful you're going to have um you know inspiration will come to you your intuition Mm -hmm. will be stronger so i always get into my body go for a while get resourced resource your nervous system. And then you can do the mental calculation of, of well, what? why do I feel this way? What is this mm. thought? Do I like this thought? Where did it come from? What, did it come from conditioning? Is it even true? You know, mm. really do that sort of mental calculation. But first, you kind of have to have that foundation of ease in peace, uh, that parasympathetic, you know, Yes. Breathing and breath do you use any? Yeah. Do you up?
2: use breath work to kind of reset? Because I think a lot of people will go, well, I'm like that most days, but what about the times when it gets bad? You know, yeah. when it's, it's heavy and you just are yeah. trying to get out and you can't, what can you do?
3: Yeah. Do you, do I start with work? the most basic, you want to add safety back into the body. You want to teach it that it's safe. And sometimes it's as simple as feeling, grounding yourself, feeling your feet on the floor, feeling your bottom on the chair, orienting to the room, you know, like soft focus on describe five things in the room, tuning into your breath, following your body's impulses. We are so trained to not follow our body's impulses. I will be working and I'll, I'll, it'll be four hours later or something crazy. And I'm like, Oh my, I haven't stretched. My lips are chapped. I need water. I haven't eaten. I need to pee, you know, and we're learning, you know, kid will come, come in from, from school and say, mommy, I'm hungry. And the mom will say, you know, not now, honey, we're, we're going to eat dinner in a minute. But if it's an hour later, we're taught in these little subtle ways, not to listen to our body, that that impulse is not a priority, not important, wrong, bad, whatever. Um, And and that can be a, you know, we're we're trained in that way that, that we can call that a trauma response. You know, it doesn't have to be like you said, Dr. Allen, a big, hairy, big, thing so yeah so um, learning to turn all of these these techniques are all
1: about turning on what's called your rest and digest your parasympathetic nervousism yes. breathing is great one of my favorite um techniques honestly is ice cold freaking showers i just got myself um, a, a sauna blanket which i love for detoxing and i'll sit in that thing for 30 minutes listen to my meditation zone out and then i jump in an ice cold shower so give that a that a try hey so we good. are out of time, this has been absolutely amazing. Real quickly, Kelly,
2: where's the best place for people to connect with you? Um, on Instagram. you My handle is it's Kelly Crump. It's so Kelly check, Crump. Do check her out. It's Kelly Crump.
1: Yes. Such a great feed. It will light you up. It will make you feel like if Thank she you. has a smile on her face and is dancing around, <laughs> you should I too. should be too. Absolutely. You're doing so much good in the world. Thank you so much for being Thank here. You. And Jennifer, Thank you so much, and I darling. we didn't have time. I want to hear you sing. So I'm hoping that you give us a feed where we can hear you sing. Uh-huh. Well, how do well, we connect with you?
3: Yeah, at Mama said Band N V for Napa Valley um, is my band. And Ohm Coffee Roasters is my coffee company. And you can find me on Instagram at Jennifer Knight HQ for heading. All record. right. Thank you all for listening
1: and thank you both for being here. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening
0: to rock your midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are and get the tools to navigate your life until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife. Thanks again for listening to the preceding